Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirits. The show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit on your community radio. My name is Tree Song. I believe we have a guest with us on the phone here. Good day. Good day. Sounds like we've got you with us. Yeah, I'm two hours different, so I almost forgot what time to call in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I'm glad you can make it. Yeah. I get to, today I have a, a tour of solar tube, um, manufacturing facility because they want um, my company to become a dealer for them so oh that's exciting you get to see where the solar panels actually come from yep i'm in california california i mean literally across from where i'm staying the gas station has solar on it (laughs) that's how they roll in california we're still trying to catch up to that in Illinois. We've got it at WDBX. We've got some solar right here on the roof. We've been talking about that. Well, yeah, actually, that should be in the calendar of events, doing a ribbon cutting this week. Oh, yeah. Well, first we've got to get through some of the news that is not quite as renewable-related. Then we get down to renewables eventually. Let's see, let's start with this one. Fossil fuel production emits more methane than previously thought, according to the NOAA. Emissions of planet heating methane from fossil fuel production are between 20 and 60% higher than widely cited estimates, including those used by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, the science body whose assessments influence climate action around the world. So people just got together and started basing their actions on these assessments, and now we find out that fossil fuels emit even more than we thought. This is the main finding of a peer-reviewed study published last week in the journal Nature. It is one of the most exhaustive analyses of long-term global methane emissions and methane carbon isotope records, with implications for climate policy worldwide. The two-year study was done by 11 researchers from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, and the Cooperative Institute for Research in Environmental Sciences at University of Colorado. The study also found that biological sources such as flatulent cows and rotting landfills are to blame for the ongoing massive methane spike first detected by NOAA in 2007. They didn't talk about the increased population that's farting. (laughs) Yeah. Extra humans have been farting too. And really, I mean... They're biological sources, but they are human-related sources, too, both of those. You know, it's flatulent cows, rotting landfills. Those are both there because of human choices. So, And why is methane so important? Methane is dozens of times more potent than greenhouse gas, as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So... And then, of course, it also escapes from oil operations and coal mines. You know, they burn off on oil operations 
sagen. Ja. So it makes the industry between 20 and 25 percent responsible for between 20 and 25 percent of the global methane problem. That's one-fifth higher than the IPCC estimates, and as much as 60% higher than the estimates of the European Joint Research Center's Emissions Database for Global Atmospheric Research. So that's part of what concerns me about this news, is that not just that more is leaking than we thought, but that all of our calculations of what business as usual will do, they're all underestimating at this point. So there's going to be a lot of number crunching in a lot of fields right now related to those results, I'm sure. So what are people doing about it? We've got a couple of news articles on people working on stopping at the source. <laughs> Climate activists shut down all U.S.-Canada tar sands pipelines. Five activists shut down all the tar sands pipelines crossing the U.S.-Canada border Tuesday morning in a bold, coordinated show of climate resistance among the ongoing fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline. The activists employed manual safety valves to shut down Inverts Line 4 and 67 in Leonard, Minnesota. Trans-Canadian... Keystone Pipeline in Wallahalla, North Dakota, Spectra Energy's Express Pipeline in Coal Banks Landing, Montana, and Kinder Morgan's Trans Mountain Pipeline in Anacortes, Washington. This is five people shut down all the oil pipelines from Canada into the United States. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to think it only took five of them to shut down all of the, the tar sands oil coming into the U.S. That's what five people can do. Imagine what a mass movement against the tar sands can do. The activists began the action to coincide with the International Day of Prayer and action with Standing Rock expressed feeling, quote, duty-bound to halt extraction and consumption of fossil fuels in the absence of any political leadership, end quote, to address the withering goal of keeping global temperature increase beneath the two degrees Celsius climate threshold. Quote, I have signed hundreds of petitions, testified at dozens of hearings, met with most of my political representatives at every level to very little avail, end quote, said 64-year-old mother Annette Clapstein of Banbridge Island, Washington, who was arrested just before publication. Quote, I've come to believe that our current economic and political system is a death sentence to life on earth, and that I must do everything in my power to replace these systems with cooperative, just, equitable, and love-centered way of living. This is my act of love, end quote. Yeah, so that's a powerful um, way of putting it, that it's their act of love to do this. Another quote, 54-year-old Ken Ward of Corbett, Oregon, who was also arrested, said, There is no plan of action, policy, or strategy being advanced now by any political leader or environmental organization playing by the rule that does 
anything but acquiesce to ruin. Our only hope is to stop, step outside, polite conversation, and put our bodies in the way. We must shut down, starting with the most immediate threat. Oil, sands, fuels, and coal, end quote. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting that this was just five people in many different locations shut down all the oil coming in, the tar sands oil coming into the United States. Yeah. And so now everyone knows where those locations are too, so it's possible that it might not be a one-time event. I guess we'll find out. I mean, there's like you know, thousands of people are trying to stop the building of the Dakota Pipeline. And here's some people who just, you know, sh- shut down, so. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Dakota Pipeline, there's some news on that. Dakota Access opponents are thinking bigger, aiming to halt the entire pipeline. Despite a federal appeals court ruling on Sunday that allowed construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline to continue on both sides of the Missouri River, so that's one of the big pieces of news. They, even in that little narrow area, they are once again continuing construction. Native American and environmental activists are far from giving up. In fact, they have been redoubling efforts on a bigger and perhaps unprecedented goal, permanently shutting down the entire 1,172-mile project which is already more than half-built. The pipeline's opponents are buoyed by an announcement last month by the Obama administration that it was withholding a permit for the pipeline to cross federal land beneath and immediately adjacent to the Missouri River. Despite Sunday's court ruling, opponents believe the crucial link can keep the pipeline from being completed. A loose coalition of roughly two dozen mainstream and grassroots indigenous and environmental groups has formed in the last month to argue that the project should not be finished. The coalition's trying to build on the unexpected success of the Native Americans who opposed the pipeline because it threatened sacred cultural sites and the drinking water supply of the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation, which sits a half mile downstream of the pipeline's proposed Missouri River crossing. The groups, however, have expanded their argument, saying the pipeline also threatens the treaty rights of Native Americans elsewhere along the route, the property of private landowners, the drinking water of millions of Americans, and the Earth's climate. So uh, there was initially this concern that, well, maybe if they stop it at that particular spot, they'll just try to find some other spot and sort of do a little more pipe. But that's why they're now pulling together with all these groups to oppose the entire pipeline. Well, I mean, we sit downstream from there, so, I mean, we, you know, technically people in our area could jump on this, you know, lawsuit saying it affects us. Yeah. And the climate math has really been weighing on me lately. That the, the latest research indicates that we have, in order to have any hope of staying below 2 degrees Celsius, we have to not do any new fossil fuel developments and decrease and not use up all of the reserves that we already know of and probably suck some CO2 out of the air also. <laughs> so with that being the case, to just have pipelines going through and running more and more fuel out of the ground. It, it is just anybody on the planet Earth could join the lawsuit. So here's some interesting uh, physics news about research into new solar technology. Quantum dots. Well, 
Solar windows evolve with Dr. Blade spreading. In a paper this week for the journal Nature Energy, a Los Alamos National Laboratory research team demonstrates an important step in taking quantum dot solar-powered windows from the laboratory to the construction site by providing the proving that the technology can be scaled up from palm-sized demonstration models to windows large enough to put in and power a building. So basically it's these big windows and you cover it in this particular quantum dot film and the light shines through and the uh, some of the light is absorbed by the film and broadcasts at a lower energy to uh, the sides of it where it's collected by the solar collectors. That's pretty pretty far out there, pretty high-tech, and yet it's very simple, it's just a bunch of windows. <laughs> it's interesting. So here's one of the quotes. Oh, you can go ahead. I'd like to know how they concentrate the light without concentrating the heat because it actually voids the warranty on any regular solar module if you put reflectors on it because when you you know concentrate the light you're also concentrating the heat and the hotter a solar module gets the less it produces yeah so it actually voids the warranty if you put like you know mirrored surface and reflect the light and the heat of course onto it yeah, that's so. a good question. It doesn't mention heat in the, at least the the excerpt of the article we have here. Um, it does say that it's emitting the photons at a lower energy, so then uh, maybe that produces less heat, but it's got to be at least a high enough energy so that they can actually absorb some of the light and turn it into electricity. So that is an interesting question. We may have to, if we have any news on that, we may mention it next time. We can talk to all of the physicists we know. So you've got a book review here. Did you already read this book? That oh, yeah, I did. I This book... It sounds like a really interesting story. Yeah, it was... Um, they. I mentioned on the radio that I was applying to a climate fiction contest, and unfortunately my, my writing was not selected. However, they produced this anthology of all of the writing that was selected, and I was very excited. I, I was the first person who I saw write any sort of review about it. I reviewed it maybe two days after it came out, maybe even a day. I, I was pretty dogged in reading it and writing about it. <laughs> so the title of it is Everything Change, an Anthology of Climate Fiction. It's an innovative and compelling climate fiction anthology. And it's, it's interesting to me, the sort of the different areas of climate change that it addresses. Um, you know, there are stories in there about fish and fisheries. There are stories about cultural landmarks that are being lost. To climate change, there's uh, it, it's and there there are some a wide range of tones to it too. We tend to associate climate change stories with negativity, like oh, every everything's going to be destroyed, we're all depressed. But one of the stories is actually sort of a very lively story, where technically it is set in a world where things have gone downhill a lot from where they are now, but there are these really innovative people who are building a new community to try to make a better life for everyone. So it's well, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised you didn't get in there because you wrote that whole blog book thing about Miami going underwater. What was the name of your Yeah, it's called Goodbye Miami. Yeah, and it is compiled into book form now, too. I was actually surprised I didn't get in there myself. Uh, I think maybe if I had... Goodbye Miami probably would have been one of the best candidates for this anthology. 
because the some of the spirit of Goodbye Miami reminded me of uh, one of the stories in there that that was actually the grand prize winner. Um, because there's a portion of Goodbye Miami where I do really explore these buildings they build with solutions embedded into them. So, if you want to, yeah, if you want to check out, it's it's published by the ASU. Uh, Arizona State University Imagination and Climate Futures Initiative. We've got the link in the newsletter if you receive that. And info at yourcommunityspirit.org is the email for that. You can also go to treesong.org and see my full review of it. I was just, um, anytime people get together and compile a whole set of climate fiction, I'm really excited to see what they come up with. There are some yeah. stories I liked more than others and some that's more interesting to me than others. But as a whole, it painted such a rich picture of our ideas about climate change. All right. In holidays, today is D-Bald and Free Day <laughs> and National Dessert Day. So, um, I know there's today is a good day for a lot of us. <laughs> yes, definitely a day for some good desserts. We also have coming up... Uh, White Cane Safety Day, Sweetest Day. Oh, Sunday is Boss's Day. I guess all the other days of the year are already Boss's Day, but they have an even they, more... They gave, it to, they gave it to them on a Sunday when, like, you know, there's a lot of people don't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to celebrate your boss at work. You can just send him a nice email or something. <laughs> okay, this week we've got Wear Something Gaudy Day, No Beard Day, and Evaluate Your Life Day. Yeah. You know, I've never actually shaved my entire chin, my entire beard. I trim it now, but I've never experienced no beard day. Well, except when I was a little kid, you know. <laughs> I think I think I would say the same. I don't know if I've ever shaved completely. This right now is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I did want to... Um, mentioned that there's an event happening um let's see i just lost where it's at it's in the coin and it's a walk for um what do you call it the slaves yeah right, ending, ending modern day slavery yeah um i had that pulled up but i i actually lost it now because i pulled up the uh Celebration ceremony for phase one of Power the Tower. I remember where I read it. I actually read it on the WDBX.org calendar. Yeah, it's on there. Paul talked about it on his show also. Yeah, the Walk for Freedom. On Saturday, October 15th, DeCoin, Illinois, will participate in global fundraising and awareness effort called the Walk for Freedom. The purpose of the event is to shine a spotlight on the 27 million men, women, and children who are still trapped in slavery today. A global anti-human trafficking organization, A21, aims to raise more funds and awareness with their Walk for Freedom. They're trying to raise money to restore the lives of 2,000 human trafficking survivors. One step at a time, one dollar at a time, one life at a time, we will abolish modern-day slavery. And so, again, the Walk for Freedom in DeCoin, 
will take place at Keys City Park. All participants are instructed to wear black. And the hashtag is Walk for Freedom. And it's a short walk. Um, Check-in time is 8 o'clock and walk time is 10 a.m. And there's a lot more information if you want to read about it on the wdbx.org slash calendar page. And there's a lot of stuff. You can submit your event to the calendar and then us, you know, talk people on the station will announce it. Yes. And even some of the music DJs do too. They do announce it during the intermissions. Well, we're a nonprofit radio station. We're, we're required to announce community events on a regular basis as part of our nonprofit status. Yeah. And we're more than happy to on your community spirit. That's we spend a whole section of the show talking about that. Because <laughs> we're a happening town. Yeah. All right, now let's let's mention the. It's a little out of sequence today, but let's mention this celebration ceremony, since it's not it didn't make it somehow into our list here. The celebration ceremony for Phase One of Power the Tower, the WDBX Solar Initiative. It's coming up on Thursday at 11 a.m. right here at 224 North Washington Street. It's celebrating the fact that we we now have active solar panels right here on the roof, solar modules. Yep, Phase One has been installed. Yeah. So the power of the sun is making this possible right now. So show up on Thursday at 11 o'clock or a few minutes early for the ribbon cutting and the celebration of saying, hey, it's on. I know we'll probably have some kind of party also, but um, let's start with the ribbon cutting. I guess it's been maybe two weeks now that it's been on and operating and running. So, cranking out the power downtown. Yeah. Some happenings are right now until October 17th, donations for Staining Rock. Carbondale Stands with Staining Rock is currently holding a donation drive. Anyone who can donate supplies to the camps may drop their goods off during open hours at the Guy House as well as Saturday markets when a booth is available. The resistance camps are gearing up for winter. For more information on Facebook, go to Carbondale Stands with Standing Rock. Also coming up, we have tonight the Haunted Carbondale Walking Tour. I might actually go to this one. It's on Fridays and Saturdays now through Halloween, starting at Castle Perilous Games and Books, 207 West Main. It's basically a walking tour of the haunted side of Carbondale. You get to hear stories of the haunts of the Hunley House, the Main House, and the spirited spooks of SIUC. Half of the proceeds go to benefit the Humane Society of Southern Illinois, and the tour does happen every Friday and Saturday through Halloween, except October 29th. Yeah. So. So it's a fun time and benefits a good cause. Uh, even if you're not as much of a believing in ghosts kind of person, you can hear some fun stories, and uh, half the proceeds go to the Humane Society. Also, it is extensive walking, but it is wheelchair accessible. So, yeah. Um, if you would like to help out invasive species removal at Fernlands, this is a green earth, 
Green Earth, you know, owns all the wonderful properties around Carbondale that has a lot of walking trails. The Fernlands Preserve at 468 Kennedy Road this Saturday from 9 till noon. This month's project focuses on the removal of the exotics or invasive species, which are bush honeysuckle and autumn olive. Volunteer from this workday will count towards a volunteer match component of an Illinois Clean Energy Community Foundation grant that will fund further invasive species management on two of their preserves. Come out and help Green Earth's goal. Sounds like good times. We also have coming up the Empty Bowls fundraiser. It's coming up on Saturday from 11 to 1.30, the Neighborhood Co-op Grocery. Empty Bowls is an event where art meets hunger, compassion, and advocacy. Where talented art students create beautiful ceramic bowls and offer them for the small price of from 10 to $15. All the donations go to the Good Samaritan House in Carbondale to support their efforts in feeding those in the local community who might otherwise go without food. It's a great idea. I actually did something like this in high school once. They, they make the bowls and you get the bowls and you uh, eat something in them yourself, but the proceeds go to helping out the hungry. It's a symbolism of the empty bowl and feeding the hungry. This is the weekend of walks. The Carmendale Zombie Walk Red Carpet Zombies. Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. Walk starts at a guy house. This year's theme is Red Carpet Zombies. Participants are invited to come as their favorite undead celebrity or have their makeup done at the zombie walk. Costumes are not included in Help Invade Carbondale. I showed up once not to walk the walk, but to see people get decorated. Mm. And, you know, they have people there to do your makeup. Yeah. So if you don't know so, how to look like a zombie, they can help you with that. <laughs> sorry. Zombie I'm... makeup is from 12 noon to 3.30 p.m. Please arrive on time if you like makeup done. It takes a good 10 minutes to do a good zombie face. The walk starts at 4 p.m. Registration includes a chance to win prizes from Castle Perilous Games and Books, Mike's Music, Julie by Becky, and other goodies. Pre-registration deadline has already passed, but you can register at the event or online on the website carbondalezombiewalk.weebly.com. Again, Guy House, Saturday, come early to get painted, walk at 4 o'clock. Also coming up on Saturday, the Science of Cocktails. It's on Saturday from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Science Center in the University Mall. It's their annual fundraiser. The fun starts at 6 p.m. at the Science Center, which is inside the University Mall. There's a silent auction at 6, a live auction at 7.45, science demos all night, hors d'oeuvres and beverages served, uh, tickets $35 per person or $300 for a table of 10. Uh, you can get them at the Science Center front desk or call 618-529-5431. And it's the biggest fundraiser they have all year, so if you want to help kids in southern Illinois learn about science. This is about the best way to go about it. The science of cocktails. New Humanist Forum Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. Humanism in Action Group Counseling in Primary Schools in Malawi. Malawi is one of the poorest countries in the world 
and approximately 50% of them are under the age of 15. Very intense, very important. That's on Sunday. Well, and it looks like we're out of time. So, environmental justice event coming up on Tuesday at the Innovation and Sustainability Hub on campus at noon. And uh, we'll have to get to this some other time. Community Farmers Market's also going on on Wednesday, 3 to 6. Still going strong through October. If you would like any of the stuff we've talked about sent to you, send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we can add you to the newsletter, which includes everything we've talked about. Yes. In the meantime, enjoy the fall weather out there, and we will see you here next week on the radio.